Hello and welcome to the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. Wellspring Tabernacle is a Bible-based Trinitarian Christian church in Marble, North Carolina. We seek to impact our community through preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ in power and demonstration of the Spirit of God. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and may God bless. And said, where you go, I will go. Where you lie, I will lie. Where you die, I will die. 
and Mary followed him. She blessed him at his feet. She served him. Oh, how she loved him. The things she watched as they kneeled him to the cross. And as they placed his friend in the tomb. In that moment, her hope You know that song, it, it's it's this morning we were listening to it on the way over here and it kind of struck a chord with me about where we are in John chapter 1 this morning. Um, and we'll get into that right here in just a minute. Because um, the Bible says in John 1, 15 through 18, says, John bare witness of him and cried, saying, This, is, this was he of whom I spake. He that cometh after me is preferred before me, for he was before me. And of his fullness have all we received in grace for grace. For the law was given by Moses, but grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. No man hath seen God at any time. The only begotten Son, which is in the bosom of the Father, he hath declared him. And 
we have a lot of music today. All right, from contemporary praise and worship to the classic hymns that, you know, we all grew up with and we all love. We have a type of music for every group of folks. Um, And as much as as good as that song that we just heard is, is, there is not a song in the world that's in the same league as the song that's in my mind this morning. The man who wrote it, so that's the, the good thing when you find a good worship song I tell you what births a good worship song is somebody who knows what they're singing about you can have people that sing about troubles and trials that have never been through anything but as soon as you get someone who knows what it's like to be broken and who knows what it's like to have God sw- that, if not, that if God hadn't swept in that everything would have fallen apart when somebody sings about that, they know what they they know it, and the per, the people listening know that they know it. But um, <clears throat> the man I'm talking about is a man by the name of John Wesley Newton. He was a sailor like his like his dad, and he was a slave trader for most of his life. And he'd had some religious upbringing as a child, but in his adult life, he didn't really care about religion at all. But that all changed on May the 10th of 1748. In what Newton would later call his great deliverance, in the midst of a howling hurricane off the coast of Africa, he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And for the next 11 hours, he battled as he helmed the ship through this hurricane, watching his some of his men get thrown overboard and the waves mounting higher than the mass of the ship, he cried out, Lord, have mercy on us. And God delivered him out of that storm, and he survived. And Newton recognized that as the hand of God in his life. Divine providence had, had been made known in his life. And he returned home, and a few short years later, the hand of God moved again in the form of a preacher by the name of George Whitfield. Um, Whitfield, for those who don't know, George Whitfield was and was one of the greatest preachers that ever lived. And matter of fact, he was so he he preached with such fervency that uh, Benjamin Franklin, one of the founding fathers, went to go listen to him. And he, his preaching in the meetings he preached was so popular that it drew reporters from from newspapers and and uh, you know little town newsletters and things like that. And one of the reporters recognized. Uh, Mr. Franklin and said, Mr. Franklin, you're not a Christian. Why are you, why are you here? You don't believe this. He said, Oh, I'm not here because I believe it. I'm here because Whitfield believes it. Um, and then, um, you, so Newton became a disciple of Whitfield and a self-educated Bible scholar. He taught himself Greek and Hebrew and was later ordained into the ministry. And he had great success in that ministry. But then in 1772, God touched him again mightily when he penned the greatest Christian anthem ever written. He penned Amazing Grace. And uh, you heard me right. 
a slave trading atheist turned fiery gospel preacher penned the greatest song Christianity has ever or will ever know. And in our text this morning, John says that we have received his fullness and grace for grace because grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. It was only by the grace of God that Newton was saved from his wretched state. And that's what caused him to pen the words that say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Was blind, but now I see. I want you to imagine this morning for a moment if we had no idea of what grace is. I want you to think just for a moment. Imagine living your life without grace. Imagine living your life having to struggle with life with no hope of anything else. I wouldn't want to live that way. A world without grace would be terrible. And I imagine that it would be a lot like it was when Newton was trapped on that ship in the midst of a hurricane. It's no wonder he penned the words of the great hymn that say, Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. Tis grace that brought me safe thus far, and grace will lead me home. I want you to think for a moment this morning about the grace and the truth that came in the person of Jesus Christ. We can look in the Old Testament Testament and see people that that for moments of time in their lives had grace visited on them. The Bible says in the book of Genesis that Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Abraham was visited with grace when God called him out of the earth of the Chaldees. And of course, as we heard in the song earlier, Abraham got a little ahead of himself when God told him he was going to cons- that he was going to have a son and that the many nations were going to be blessed through that son. He got a little antsy and he took Hagar, his wife's handmaiden, and had a son. All right, well, no doubt Abraham loved Ishmael and to an extent he loved Hagar. So when God came to him and said, Abraham, that's not the son that I promised you. It's the son you've got, but it's not the one I promised you. The one I promised you is going to be born of your wife's son. And she's with child right now. All right. Well, then Abraham, of course, he said, he said, Lord, what am I going to do? And Isaac gets born and he grows up and Ishmael and Isaac, they despised and hated one another because Ishmael wasn't the promised child and Isaac was. So it came to pass finally that I, that God told Abraham, he said, Abraham, you're going to have to get rid of Hagar and Ishmael. You're going to have to tell them they've got to leave. And Abraham was worried. And he said, well, Lord, what am I going to do? I don't want them to die. And he said, oh, don't worry. I'm going to have grace for Hagar and Ishmael. You hear me this morning? Those of us that's got family members that's out in the world lost and undone without God that you've prayed for and you've cried for and you've begged God for, don't you think for one minute that the grace of God is not spread abroad over their life because they're not dead in hell. God is merciful towards them and grace is going to cover that person and eventually you watch the same grace. Let me tell you a story about somebody I used to know way back yonder. I knew a man, I knew a man he was raised in a good Christian home. He loved the Lord. He loved God. And, and or thought he did in, in the best way he knew how. All right, he went to church. He enjoyed going to church. All right, but then there come a time in his life when the world began to tug at him, and the world began to pull at him, and the world pulled him out of church and into the things of the world, and he and he dived into the dived into the the things of this world, into partying and drinking and such as that. 
and but he had a mama and a daddy that loved God and that knew who God was and he crawled through his bedroom window one night he'd been out doing things he shouldn't have done and he was in an inebriated state, state of mind and he came in and he crawled through his bedroom window and he heard his mama in the living room next to his bedroom praying Jesus Jesus keep my baby safe don't let him die bring him home safe and that broke him and it broke his heart and it was that moment that was his great deliverance moment that was the moment when he looked at himself and said there has to be more to life than this and he started him and God began wooing him and drawing him by the grace that he did that's what grace means this morning the definition of grace is unmerited favor unmerited mercy seen in the salvation of sinners and blessings that can only come from God the word unmerited means unearned this morning if you can earn it it's not grace friend all right but anyhow, God come into his life and begin to woo him and begin to draw him to him. And then finally, beyond anything that he could have ever dreamed of, February the 18th of 2010, the God of all glory, by his marvelous, matchless grace, reached into the life of that wretched, hell-bound sinner and brought him up out of the muck and out of the mire, as David said, and set his feet upon a rock and established his goings, all right, that so he got to find out what grace is. I know that grace comes from Jesus, but and only by him because I was the man in the story I just told you about. I was the one who heard his mama cry out to God on his behalf. So I know when the Bible says that the effectual fervent prayer of the righteous man availeth much, I know what it does. I know what the grace of God can do and what it can accomplish. And so, and that's why I love the song Amazing Grace so much. All right. Just think about the words to it just for a minute, all right? The first verse says, Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. I was blind, but hey, guess what now? Since grace came in, I can see. Since grace came in, I'm no longer lost. I went from being lost to found and went from being blind to being able to see. And through many dangers, toils and snares, through the toils and the snares of this life, the grace of God has kept me and has carried me and it's this same grace that's brought me safe thus far and the same grace one day after a while is going to take me home to glory friend. I'm going to ride on grace and I'm going to depend on grace from, from the moment that I got born again all the way until God takes me home. But that's why when I, I've got a special love for the book of Ruth and for the story of Ruth and that's why when I heard that story there's a part in the book of Ruth where, where she, you know, she she was a Moabitess. She was an idol worshipping pagan heathen, alright? And and just as just as divine providence would have it, she wound up marrying into a family that knew who God was. So after her husband dies, her father-in-law dies, her brother-in-law dies, her her other her other sister-in-law, Orpah, she left. But the Bible says that Ruth clave unto Naomi. 
And she followed Naomi back into Bethlehem, Judah, and she got there, and there, there was there was laws in Bethlehem, Judah at the time of the harvest, all right? If you owned a field, you had the right to reap that field one time, and that was it. Anything that was left behind was left for poor folks, for widows and strangers. What just so happened that Ruth met all three qualifications. She was a widow, she was poor, didn't have anything, anything that she owned died with her husband husband, the rights to it died with her husband and her father-in-law, and she was a stranger. She was not a Jew. She was a Moabitess, all right? She was one of those people that God had commanded Israel to have nothing to do with, all right? Well, then, she, she it, it just so happens, and the Bible says that it just fell her part that she began to glean in the part of a field that belonged to a man named Boaz, and Boaz seen her in the field one day, and he went to his workers, and he says, who is that maiden in my field. And they said, that's Ruth the Moabitess. She's the widow of your, of your kinsman Chilon. And he said, all right, he said, you hear me what I'm telling you. He said, my me, he told his men, he said, y'all don't bother her. Y'all do nothing to her. She can come here and glean all she wants. And while you're reaping, drop some handfuls of that, of that grain down on purpose for her. Friend of mine, you hear me this morning. What grace will do? The grace of God will pick you up out of the ditch and out of the gutter and it'll bring people into your life that you don't even recognize and don't even realize are helping you along. The grace of God is what caused the Boaz to say what he did and for his workers to drop down handfuls of food on purpose. All right, because Ruth had a need and the grace of God met that need. Well, then finally, finally Boaz meets Ruth and he tells her, he says, honey, you keep coming back to this field and you keep reaping in this field. If you get hungry, you come and you partake of our bread. You come to our table. If you get thirsty, you come drink water out of our dipper. You keep coming here. And the Bible says that she fell on her face and she bowed herself to the ground and she said, why have I found grace in your eyes seeing that I am a stranger? Friend of mine, we were all, the Bible says that we were strangers and aliens of the commonwealth of Israel. But thanks be to God this morning that grace came by Jesus Christ, friend. Alright, we no longer live under the law that only brought sin and death. We live under the grace of God this morning. And that is why I believe what Wesley wrote when he said, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun, We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. I'm telling you right now, the same grace that's causing me to praise him on this side is the same grace that's going to cause me to praise him on the other side of Jordan. And I, you know, I've often wondered if it might not be, and I don't, I don't, I'm not saying that it is, but the Bible does tell us that, uh, that after the Lord returns and we're all gathered into the kingdom, 
and we're all gathered into heaven and we're all around the throne that the Bible says that God is going to tell the angels, the angelic choir of heaven, that he is going to tell them all to sit down because my children are here. So angels, you take a step back. You, you've served your purpose. It's time for my children now to sing their praises. And I can't help this morning but think that one of the very first things out of that choir's mouth, out of that choir that's made up of a number that no man can number that's made up of people from all tribes and nations and tongues that we're all going to stand and blend together I can't I don't I don't know if this is how it's going to be but I cannot help but think that when that choir begins to sing that all of those voices of all those that have been redeemed by the grace of God are going to sound off together in amazing grace how sweet the sound Angels can't sing that because they've never been redeemed. They ain't never been lost and had to get saved. They ain't never been bound for hell and had to come to faith in Jesus Christ. They don't understand what it means to be redeemed and to be born again. But we do. And I can't help but think that we're going to stand back and we're going to sing about the amazing grace of God and how it saved us and how it bought us and how it redeemed us and give it all, give all the praise and the glory back to Him. Because grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. Now there's a whole lot in the church today. You know that text also says that the law was given by Moses. There's a whole lot in the world today and in the church today that will tell you that Christians to be able to truly worship God and to truly to truly do what they should for God that they have to keep the Mosaic law. Well, uh, I, I, I have Bible that takes issue with that with that way of thinking. Paul in Romans 3 said, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. He, he, he even went so far as to say that he would wish himself cut off from the cut off from Christ if Israel his his kinsmen by the flesh could be born again now you want to talk about somebody that had a burden for a people that were lost it was Paul all right he to wish himself cut off to wish to wish that he could be lost and 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 damned to an eternal hell to be able for his kinsmen to be redeemed and to be born again he told them but he wrote Romans 10 and he said brethren my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved for I bear them record that they have a zeal of God but not according to knowledge. Friend there's all kind of people that have zeal for God alright. The Jehovah's Witnesses have got zeal for God. Mormons have zeal for God but it's not according to knowledge. They don't know who God is. They're lost and should be and should be pitied. They've never known grace. And we and, and even more so Cultural Christians, people that, that admire Christianity and that like parts and pieces of Christianity but have no relationship with the Lord. They have no knowledge of this grace and truth that came by Jesus Christ. 
But this bunch that wants to put us back under the law, all right, Paul goes on to say in that same chapter in Romans, he says that Christ is the end of the law for righteousness. Why you want to put people back under Sabbath days and feast days and telling me what I can wear and I can't wear and what I can eat and I can't eat? No, 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 friend. When Jesus died and said it is finished and the veil of the temple was ripped in twain from the top to the bottom, that brought an end to it, son. The Bible says over there in the book of Hebrews, it says that that first tabernacle and that first system was imperfect. And why was the first tabernacle imperfect and that first system imperfect? Because God would come down for a little while and then he would leave. He would come down for a little while and then he would leave. Well, guess what happened? As we learned just a few weeks ago in John 1 and verse 14, it said that the word was made flesh and he dwelt. Uh, and the Bible, the Greek text literally says that he tabernacled with us. All right, the tabernacle and the thing of it is, is the Bible calls Jesus the tabernacle of God that's with men. So the tabernacle come down and tabernacled with us. <laughs> and now he indwells us and the law of God is written on our hearts. And he gives us grace. We receive of his fullness and grace for grace. Grace on top of grace. What did you say in the book of Malachi? That if we would give him what was owed to him, that he would give us a good measure, heat down, shaking together and running over that we wouldn't be. He said, I'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out blessings that you're not able to receive. A good measure, heat down, shaking together and running over. And it all came by grace. Twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace, my, think about that just for a minute. It was the grace of God that convicted you of your sin and made you in, in, in fear come to Jesus. And it was that same grace that took those fears and relieved them. But twas grace that taught my heart to fear. And grace my fears relieved. How precious did that grace appear the hour I first believe. Friend of mine, I'm telling you right now, I'm working on over a decade's worth of being born again, and I hadn't got over the preciousness of grace ever since then. I'm telling you now, when the grace of God shed, was shed abroad in my heart by the glorious gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, friend, I'm telling you now, that grace has not lost one inkling and one eye. It's no wonder Newton called it amazing. It's no wonder that he said it was amazing grace. It's no wonder that so much of the word of God deals with grace because it is amazing and it's undeserved and it's unearned and it came by Jesus Christ and I bless his sweet name this morning for the grace that only comes by and through him Lord, we're thankful for this day. We're thankful for the grace of God this morning. And God, I pray that you would reignite in us how precious grace is and how amazing grace really is. God, we thank you for it this morning. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.
Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Wellspring Tabernacle Podcast. If you feel led to do so, please give us a review on the platform of your choice. And if you would like to reach out to us further, please email us at wellspringtabernaclenc at gmail.com. Until next week, may God bless you.